or look up Acts chapter 9, however you want to do that so that we can together. And um, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, on the, in the pew there in front of you. I think it's around page 1087 or so. I think some of the Bibles are different, but if you get one of those pew Bibles that uh, somewhere in that, in that area. I also want to say before we start, I want to thank our students. If you were here last Sunday, our student ministry led our worship service, and uh, I want to just give them a hand, if you would join me in that. <clears throat> you, if you were out of town, you missed a, a really great Sunday as we got to hear about how God had, has been at work through their summer, and uh, several of them got up and shared uh, some pieces of, of their perspective of how they saw God working, and, and I, that's become one of my Sundays that I look forward to as I get to sit and just kind of be a part of the church and, and receive, and it's so great to be reminded of how God has been at working uh, on these trips that they go on, that some of you were able to go on with them, uh, and, and I want to be sure and thank them for the job that they did. We have a lot of things going on, but summer is drawing to an end. I hate to break it to you, those of you who kind of live for your summer, summer's drawing to an end. This Wednesday is our last Wednesday night of Summer Blast of our Big Questions Summer Series. Afterwards, we'll have a time for fellowship. We'll have a snow cone truck that's going to be here. encourage you to come at 7 o'clock and, uh, and be here as we gather together Wednesday night. And then I want to be sure that you uh, remember to mark your calendars for uh, August the 25th. That's our annual back-to-school Sunday. Last year, we made a decision to, to bump it back a week so that Many of our school districts will, have, will already have, you know, be in school. We won't have it next Sunday, which is the Sunday before the first, the first day of school for many people. Um, but we'll have it the week after. And really the reason we did that, and I want to be sure and say this, so that you can be thinking now about who you want to invite. We want to create a space, and we realize there may be students. You don't, you know, maybe you didn't see all your friends, parents. Maybe you didn't see the parents of your kids' friends, you know, during the summer as much. We want to invite people to be here with us on that day. I would love to fill this room with lots of folks that we don't know who, who maybe don't come on a regular basis and, and allow them to experience uh, what it's like to worship with us, us each and every Sunday. And so mar uh, mark your calendars for August 25th. Plan to be here. We'll have a brunch before worship like we've done the last several years. We'll spend some time in that service praying for our students and our uh, adults that work in our school districts around our area. And so I want to encourage you to be thinking now about who you'll invite to be a part of that day with us. So throughout this summer, we have been in a series uh, called Major Minor. Uh, we're looking at minor characters in the Bible, people who maybe you've never heard a, a class or a sermon taught on their life, their story, their experience. Uh, these minor characters are, are not known necessarily, but their stories, as we're finding out, are really, really important. So we'll have a couple of weeks more of this series leading up to Back to School Sunday, and then we'll be starting something new in September. Uh, but these stories all point to the, the, the way that God has been at work all along. Even th We know the, na the names of lots of our kind of you know, heroes in the faith, the big names of Moses and Abraham and Paul and Peter, but there are all kinds of other people in the story of God that God has used throughout history. And so this morning, we're going to look in Acts chapter 9 at another minor character. Uh, but before we do that, I want to ask if you would to pray with me, and we'll, we'll start after that. <clears throat> Father, we come this morning grateful for your love for us, grateful that we can acknowledge, as we've just done over the last few minutes, that, uh, that 
there is joy in the journey of following you. Though we see and experience and feel the reality of a world that feels to be wasting away, we know that in Christ there is renewal, there is resurrection, there is hope, there is joy. And we pray, God, that we will be people, that we, as we just sang, who will not be afraid to walk and talk and sing and shout about what God has done for us. And I, I ask that you will help us in that pursuit. As often it gets easy to sort of be bogged down and weighed down by whatever it is that's going on in our lives, personally or collectively, uh, as an individual or as a society. And we're grateful, Father, that in you we find hope, we find peace, we find the joy of knowing that there is a path forward, a future that is being prepared for us, Father. This morning I ask that you'll be with us as we study together in the book of Acts. I pray that you'll give us ears to hear and eyes to see all that you want us to hear and see. And I pray that the words that I speak uh, will <clears throat> align with your heart and that those words that I speak that uh, do not will fall away and will not be remembered. And we pray all of this, Father, in the name of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. So Acts chapter 9, I'm going to begin uh, in verse 32, which will give a little context to kind of just kind of what's going on in the story. We're going to focus on really verses 36 through 43. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 32, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, he wrote, he wrote these words. As Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Anus who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Anus, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Anus got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Now, this is the part I want us to focus on. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, then sent two men to him and urged Peter, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around Peter, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, presented to her, her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, our story today takes us to this city, as we just read, the city of Joppa, a city that is by the sea. And we're going to look at this story in a minute, but one of the reasons that I wanted to look at this particular minor character is because it's okay to feel a little bit you know, like you want to laugh, or maybe you did even laugh a little bit. Like the, mo the thing that mostly this story is known for is some really oddly named people, right? Like we, we feel like, should Doug have said those words? You know, the, it was somebody's name. And it was, you know, and, and so it's okay, right? But that's, that's unfortunately kind of the rap that this, you know, I think this story, this minor character gets. But in Joppa, outside the city of Jerusalem, by the coast, there was 
a lady, a woman, a disciple, Luke tells us. And there's a church apparently there as people are gathering around this woman who they've, they're grieving. And it's, they've lost one of their most influential women. Her name is Tabitha. Some people apparently call her Dorcas, which in our language sort of feels like, again, like an insult. Like, should that, is that a nickname? Should that, that doesn't feel really appropriate. But it's Greek, and it actually means gazelle, which might feel more inappropriate. Like, that's a really odd nickname, right? One of the things that I said a few weeks ago when we looked at Barnabas, the minor character of Barnabas, is that I love hearing, as we read the story of Scripture, I love hearing that these characters, these real people had nicknames. And remembering that, I think it helps us to remember that they were real people. That they're not just these characters that we imagine lived one day, but they actually lived. And they had friends, and they had friends who may have given them nicknames, like you and I do, with people that we love. And so this woman, whose name means, whose nickname, Dorcas, means gazelle. And again, at first, the name gazelle might sound like an odd nickname until you hear about this woman's life, that she was graceful and elegant and was known for doing good for others and caring for the poor. She was a seamstress and made clothing for other people in the church. And so Tabitha becomes sick and dies, and the church is brokenhearted over this. And about the same time as the story plays out, Peter is in the nearby city of Lydda, about 10 miles from Joppa. And because, as Luke said, he's traveling around that entire area, he's visiting churches, he's encouraging Christians, and he happens to be in Lydda, and the church in Joppa hears about this, and they get word that Peter is nearby, and they send a couple of their men to ask to come for help. They were, they were rocked by this, the loss of this woman. So Peter goes with them, and when he arrives, he's greeted by a scene of widows crying and grieving over the loss of the woman that they loved and deep, so deeply and that they cared about, and apparently meant a great deal to the church in Joppa. So he sends everyone out. Following, if you recall a story of Jesus raising someone from the dead, this, the pattern that Peter follows is almost identical to the way that Jesus did this too. So I imagine he, he's like, I don't know what this, well, how this is going to play out. I trust that God is working. I've seen Jesus do this before. So he sends everybody out of the room like Jesus had done previously. And he sends them out of the room and he gets down on his knees and he prays. And as he ends his prayer... He says, Tabitha, get up. And she does. She sits up. And Peter helps her to her feet, and he calls the church in to see her. A seamstress in Joppa, a leader in the church, was dead, and God raised her to life. Like I, I want us to just allow ourselves to just acknowledge that and kind of sit in that for a moment that you know, we read these stories and we think, well, you know, that's, that's what they do in the Bible. They're raising people from the dead. They're healing the sick. But there was a person who was dead that was raised back to life. They were grieving her life, that they lost this woman that they cared deeply about. And God raised her to life. Now, only a handful of people in the entire Bible have been, were raised from the dead. And Tabitha is one of them. Maybe, maybe t depending on if you count the people who were raised from the dead after Jesus was crucified and all, all of that, the way that, that played out, depending on how you, you, know, how you count that, there's, only, there's less than 10 people in the whole Bible who were raised from the dead. And Tabitha 
was one of them. One day she's quietly serving the church in Joppa. One day she is quietly serving the church in Joppa. Then she apparently gets sick and dies. And the next thing you know, her story is being told and recorded for us to read several thousand years later. Why would Peter raise someone from the dead? Like, what's, what's the point, right? Didn't all these people who were raised in the Bible, didn't they eventually die again? Yeah, they, they did, and they will die again. Lazarus was raised, and he died again. Tabitha was raised from the dead, and she eventually died again. So what's the point? Everyone that was raised to life was raised to bear witness to the fact that death doesn't have the last word over those that are in Christ. Everyone that was raised to life was raised to bear witness to the fact that death does not have the last word over those that are in Christ. Here's another way to say that. Peter did for Tabitha what God wants to do for everyone. It's, it's sort of this foreshadowing, right? It's this reminder of, Her life's going to end in death, but we need to remember that resurrection is possible. Peter did for for Tabitha what God intends to do for everyone, what God wants to do for every person. Raise us from the dead. Move us from death to life. When Jesus was raised from the dead, what it did was confirm what took place on the cross. And in the same way, any time we see resurrection happening, it is confirming what was promised through the work that took place on the cross. In this story, it was God's grace on display to Tabitha to restore her life. And God did this not because of what she had done, but because of how her being raised would point others to Jesus. This is what verse 42 says, right? That many people believed in the Lord. Anytime you see a resurrection story, it's followed by people believing in the Lord. This is what the entire book of Acts is actually about, resurrection. Over and over and over again in Acts, Luke is pointing us to the resurrection of Jesus and the new life that is possible through Christ that is made available to all of us because of the resurrection. And Tabitha's story is one of those like arrows that points all the way back to Jesus' work on the cross and his coming back to life that made resurrection possible for everyone. And I think that as impressive as her resurrection story is, this, this minor character is also included in the story because of her life. Like Luke tells us, she was known for doing good and giving to the poor, helping the poor. She was known for, for those things doing good, and helping the poor. As people are grieving her death, the thing that they say about her is that she's known for doing good and helping the poor. Apparently, she made clothes, too, so we could add that onto her, you know, her, her obituary. Before our, our little dresses for Africa ministry, there was a dresses for Joppa ministry, apparently, that was run by Tabitha, the gazelle, Right? I want to I consider as we think about her life, what if our lives were remembered with a sentence like this? Known for doing good and helping the poor. Like what if we could insert our name in that sentence and we could say, 
blank, you, your name was known for doing good and helping the poor. That, to me, would be a good life. She's a pillar in this church. Her life was a testimony that others paid attention to, so much so that there's deep grief, right? I mean, you don't go find Peter to raise somebody from the dead that you're, you know, not really going to miss. They're, they're going to miss this woman. She's a leader in the church. She's a difference maker. She doesn't have a line in the story, but she made an impact. Her life was a testimony that others paid attention to, so much so that there's deep grief when she's gone and they send for Peter. She served others. She gave of herself, gave of her time, using her skills as a seamstress to make others these clothes, right? Her death and her resurrection, like they become the event that led people to follow Jesus, but that resurrection was made possible by her life. And honestly, I, I think Tabitha would have been just fine remembering that the point of uh, us remembering that the point of her life was to point others to Jesus because that's already who she was. I mean, that's what they're saying about her before she's even come back from the dead. A person that was interested in doing good and helping the poor, a person whose, whose life wasn't about her. The, the world needs more Tabithas. The church needs more Tabithas. I imagine it's likely we wouldn't even know her name. We wouldn't even know her name unless she had been raised from the dead. I don't think this story, I think this story gets included in the book of Acts because she was raised from the dead. But I want to I acknowledge that that happens because of the life that she lived the person that she was. And I want to I acknowledge, I think, at this point this morning, and there are so many people in this room who, who do things for the kingdom of God and serve and never seek out credit, right? And that is what makes church happen. That's what makes the body of Christ the body of Christ. People that do things because Jesus has compelled them to do them and not because they're being made to do something. But there can always be more. That's the other truth. Like there are lots of you doing things and, and, the, and it needs to be recognized and commended and acknowledged this morning. But there can always be more Tabithas. There will always be, the truth is, more people like Tabitha than, more people, than people like Peter. I mean, you think about the thousands and thousands of people that none of us know their, we don't know their names. But they were Christians in the first century. They started this movement. And I believe it was people like Tabitha and others that used their talents and gifts for the glory of God, for the advancement of God's kingdom, and continued to move the story of God forward. Yes, God used Peter, calling Peter, moving him around. Paul was influential. But the people in those churches, those were some of the people whose lives really propelled this kingdom forward. And the thing is, is that as we live still in 2019, those normal lives, we will never know in, our, in this moment what God is up to entirely. We might have glimpses of what God is up to. Like how is God using the minor moments in our lives to write the story? Things that seem ordinary, like using her talents to bless others making these clothes, right? That's not, it may not be your thing, but whatever is your gift, your talent, whatever it is that you feel passionate about, how is God using that 
for the advancement of his kingdom and for his glory. God using the minor moments, the ordinary moments, the things that seem insignificant to us to move and write the story and move the story forward. This was true of Tabitha's story and it's true of ours too. In Tabitha's story, I think there's a clue that we can't ever know entirely what God is up to. There's a clue of this at the very last verse that we read in verse 43, where Luke writes that Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Now, when I was preparing for this and thinking about this, that triggered something in me, and maybe it does for some, some of you, because this tanner named Simon, who's another minor character we're not even going to get into today, really, he shows up in the next chapter, Acts chapter 10, which is maybe for us as, you know, people who aren't, aren't Jewish, except for Tim Sloan, uh, don't have a Jewish background. It, we're Gentiles, right? We have this, this, this part. We, we're included in the body of Christ because of what happens in Acts chapter 10. So Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. So follow me here. Think about this in light of what I said a minute ago, that we can't ever know for sure what God is up to as we do the normal, ordinary, what maybe feels mundane things in our lives day to day, following faithfully in Jesus' footsteps, pursuing God's kingdom and helping to advance his cause. I believe this is exactly what Tabitha did. And God took the ordinary life, maybe normal life that she lived, and, and, and use that life to create this extraordinary moment. So follow me with the, just kind of this timeline really quickly. Peter comes to Joppa to heal Tabitha, and then he stays, apparently, according to this verse, in Joppa. And while he is there, the next chapter, we learn about a Roman soldier named Cornelius. Cornelius is pursuing God, Acts chapter 10 says, it has a vision, and he sees an angel in this vision. Cornelius is a Gentile, right? That's the problem. God is, uh, is showing up and creating, you know, speaking to people who are not a part of the family of God. And so a, a Gentile, he didn't, he didn't know, right, at that point in the story that he was going to be welcomed into the family of God. So this vision was disturbing. He's like, what's going on with this thing? So it's confusing for Cornelius. And so this angel says to him in Acts chapter 10, these words. He says, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to where? To Joppa, where a woman named Tabitha was just raised from the dead. Send to men to Joppa to bring a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is stay, staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. God tells, tells Cornelius to go get him, and so he does. And so Peter goes with Cornelius. Tabitha lives in Joppa. Peter gets called to Joppa, stays at the house of Simon the Tanner, and he stays there until chapter 10 when he gets a call from Cornelius to come and explain this vision that he has. But when Luke writes the story, the location that he gives is the location that he stayed after he had raised Tabitha from the dead. And as a result of, of Peter's location and God telling Cornelius to send some men and grab him from Joppa and take him on, and the conversation that Peter and Cornelius will have in chapter 10, the vision that Peter will have about God including Gentiles into the family of God, all of this, the way that these things kind of weave together, like Cornelius and his whole family become followers of Jesus Christ. Gentiles get welcomed into the family of God. It turns out that God's family tree is really, really, really big. 
And in Acts chapter 9, we didn't know that, but in Acts chapter 10, we do. And we're sitting and worshiping God in Kaufman, Texas today because of that reality. We don't know if Simon the Tanner was a member of the church in Joppa. I mean, who knows, right? He was, he's apparently familiar enough that Peter has a place to stay. But I don't think it's too much of a stretch to see the connection between Peter's location in Joppa and the path that he'll take forward, which will eventually lead to Gentile inclusion in the church. The ordinary lives of minor characters intersecting with the story of our major God. God is working in this town in Joppa in a way that people could have never expected. God is working in the life of, of a, a, a normal woman who gave of her time and helped the poor and did good and made clothes for people that she was, you know, friends with. And I'm sure some strangers got some of those clothes, right? Like, she, he, God's just using these people's lives to write this story, and their lives by themselves might seem you know, insignificant somehow. But I think as we read the story, we're reminded that nobody's life is insignificant. That in in God's story, there is always a purpose to the things that are happening and ways that God is working through our grief and our suffering and our joy and our sorrow and everything in between. As we live those normal lives, we never know what God is up to. And I think that is one of the lessons that Tabitha's life teaches us what if some decision that we made in service to god five ten years ago that we thought was insignificant ended up playing out some in some larger way in the story that god was writing what if while we were living our normal lives trying to be faithful to the calling that we've received and walking in jesus's footsteps trying to do good and giving to the poor what if god shows up in some unexpected way It happened in the city of Joppa. I don't know why it can't happen in Kaufman County, Texas. And I believe that as we think about these minor characters, that there are are so many lessons that we can take away. And my hope is that as we think about this morning, Tabitha's life, that we'll remember that there's nothing that's going on in our lives, in in our own personal stories, in the story of our church, that is going to be wasted by God, that God's going to use all of it. And God's going to use all of it to advance his kingdom and move this story forward. I'm grateful for people like Tabitha, like Dorcas, who, who I know whose life I will look at in a different way, more than just a funny name, right? But a person who was significant and influential, who was faithful, who was doing what she could do, Surrounding herself with people that she could impact as she did good and gave and helped the poor. May it be so of us in our lives that we too are found faithful. That we will be known for things like doing good to others, loving our neighbors and our enemies, helping the poor, advancing God's kingdom forward. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful again this morning that we are able to reflect on the life of Tabitha as we think about the way that her resurrection reminds us of the hope and the future we have of being resurrected one day, that death doesn't get the last word over us. And also, God, the way that her life is a testimony 
of faithfulness and commitment, of just continuing to do whatever she's capable of doing and using her talents and gifts to make an impact for, the, for your kingdom. I pray this morning that you'll stir in us as we think about our talents and gifts, because I'm sure there are some in the room that think, well, I don't know what, where my talent and my gift is. I pray that your spirit will speak this morning to our hearts and that you'll, you'll give us clarity about some of the ways that you have gifted us uniquely. And maybe there are others in the room who share similar interests and talents, and who knows, God, what you might do in this place like you did in Joppa a long time ago. And I ask that you'll continue to be with us as we think about our own lives and remember as we think about those that, that we are all significant because of the work of Christ on the cross and that, that nothing is going to be wasted through the things that we do, the words we say. May we walk and talk and sing and shout about what the Lord has done for us. We're thankful for the testimony of people like Tabitha who did that long, long ago. May it be so with us, we pray, through the name of Christ. And the church said, amen. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning, if you would. Each week we want to provide some space to respond to God in whatever way you may need to respond to God. I want to encourage you, uh, if, if, you're, if, if as Mark was talking a minute ago, you're thinking, you know what, I have had a really difficult week. Maybe it was something on a larger scale, like he mentioned, or maybe it's something more personal. I would encourage you to find somebody around you and ask them to pray with you. Uh, maybe you know of someone that needs to be prayed for and uh, with this morning. I would encourage you to do that as we sing. I'll be down front if anybody wants to respond in a more uh, public way. There'll be an elder in the back. However you need to respond to God, let's do that while we sing this next song. I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today. Yes, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer for I'm in the glory land way. Onward I go rejoicing in his love. I'm in the glory land way. Soon I shall see him in that home above. Oh, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way groweth clearer for I'm in the glory land way.